Welcome to episode 152 of Alt Behind Game Club. This week, we begin our Bloodborne saga with part one. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is up behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have three friends with me. The first friend, you know her, you love her. Her name is Katie Lesperance. Oh, hello. I'm ready to hunt some beasts. Let's go. Uh, you're ready to be our Bloodborne expert, are you? Apparently. I don't know how this happened, but I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> our second friend, uh, who's laughing at Katie's uh, 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 resume of FromSoft, <laughs> uh, Flora Eloise. Hello. <laughs> Oh, but it was a good hunt, wasn't it? <laughs> and our third friend. Uh, back, he's our CGO. He's got a gun in his left hand or his right hand. It's Momotati. Yo, yo, yo. Finally, a game with a gun. Let's go. Today, we're talking about Bloodborne. It's a game developed by From Software, published by Sony Computer Entertainment, uh, released on the PlayStation 4, first on March 24th of 2015. This show is going to be split into two parts. The first part we're going to talk about the, the game broadly, but we're also going to share our experience playing for a little while. And Katie's going to guide us through the rest of the game. So we'll tell you how much we've played. It is not the full game. It's a little different than what we normally do, but we'll tell you how much we played. Katie's going to answer a lot of our questions. And then part two, we're going to play as much as we can. Maybe beat the <laughs> game. We'll see. Uh, but that's what part two will be. That'll be episode 154 uh, coming out in October. So... I think it's a good place to start and, and start with our fast pitch on Bloodborne. Uh, it is the, the one-sentence pitch of a video game. Um, I'm going to start with our resident expert, Katie Lesbronce, and ask if you had to describe Bloodborne in one sentence, uh, what would you what would you say? Um, it is a, a jittery romp through a, a beast-filled uh, city. And you, uh, I, I'm so bad at these. And uh, you get covered in blood in victory. Amazing. I love that. Or, or maybe I, not. I, I don't know. Maybe you don't, Jacob. Do you? Do you get covered in blood in victory? Uh, we're going we're gonna to share my experience of Bloodborne soon. Uh, but I would say it's just gothic frustration. Who's next? <laughs> um, I'll take a crack. Uh, I think if I was going to give a one sentence, it would be a, it's a misunderstood puzzle game. That's my mm-hmm. Bloodborne explanation. Hmm. Okay. Flora, I think, last. I think I'd the say, best for last. like, fast-paced Victorian Dark Souls, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Flora, you said Dark Souls. There may be some folks on this podcast who don't know what a Souls-Borne game is. Um, I'd love to know broadly how we define them and <clears> then what everyone's experience is with them. Um, well, I think most description of this game as a sort of like hidden puzzle game might be alluding to the fact that a lot of the combat in Dark Souls style games is very methodical and you kind of have to be patient, learn the rules of and like the patterns and then kind of work your way through those patterns as you get better and learn and anticipate and react more quickly, etc. Um, and so like it's a tedious, slow paced combat that also at the same time in the moment feels really fast paced and urgent and you're, you're frantically moving throughout the combat as well. 
Um, but like Dark Souls games more generally, when I think of them, I think of the way that you explore them. They have really interlocking 3D environments that you slowly open up shortcuts throughout, which make the traversal more bearable because every time you die, you have to then retrace your way through that environment from specific respawn points. Um, and there's a really harsh mechanic of when you die, you lose all of your currency in the game, which is usually souls or, um, blood echoes in this game, I believe. Um, and so typically speaking, there's kind of a punishment for failing, but as you kind of learn the game, um, hopefully you will not have to be punished as regularly or something to that effect. I kind of think of those things interlockingly. I think that was a really good description. I think the when we think of Bloodborne games, it's uh, Demon Souls, Dark Souls 1 through 3, uh, Bloodborne, Sekiro, Elden Ring, and then obviously there are a bunch of Souls likes that come with that. Most of them are, all of them in this case, are made by From Software. So. Katie, I think you're our resident expert here, um, so I'd love to know. Uh, well, I, I know the answer. You played them all like last year for the first time uh, because <laughs> oh, wow. you were insane. So oh, tell like us about that. Up? So I I have an interesting experience. So it, many years ago, I remember I, I had time. I had nothing to play, and I saw Dark Souls 3 was on sale. And I had heard about these games, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And I bounced off so hard. Because I was like, I, do, I don't understand how to play this game. Like, I'm doing what I normally do in games, and I'm getting just eviscerated instantly. Totally. And I, did, I didn't get it. Like, I was like, what am I supposed to do? What am I missing? I don't understand. And I tried, and I bailed out. And then I tried again, like, a few months later, and I was like, no, I still don't understand this. I don't get it. Um, and then when I got my PS5, it included Bloodborne in the PS Plus collection. So I was like, it's essentially free. I'm, I've already paid for it, basically. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. It was baby's first Soulsborne game. And <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I got over the first couple big obstacles. And as soon as you do that, you go, oh, I, I can do it. There's something, there's something that clicks with the combat where you're like, where you know, you learn how to approach things a little bit differently than you do most games. And then once you get that itch, you're like, oh, I can do it. And then you meet the next thing. And you're like, okay, I have to figure out how to beat this thing. And then you beat that thing. And then it just kind of snowballs on itself. And it becomes really, really addicting. Um, so, yeah, I went back, beat Dark Souls 3 after that. Then Dark Souls. Then um, uh, Sekiro, one of my favorite games ever. Um, Demon Souls. The only one I haven't played, uh, Elden Ring also. Only one I haven't played is Dark Souls 2. I'm kind of keeping that to the side for when I want one that I haven't played mm -hmm. yet. Um, yeah, like I, I, for example, I'm not a trophy hunter in any way. Once I get bored with a game, I'm done. I don't, I'm not, uh, a, you know, I don't want to get trophies just for the sake of getting trophies. I have exactly three trophies and two of them are from soft games. Or, sorry, three, you have three platinums. <laughs> three trophies in general. That's all I've done. Um, it's been a little bit Yeah, I'm a gamer. Three trophies. Uh, yeah, and two of them are FromSofts because I just was like, no, I want to keep playing these games. Wow. So that's where I'm at. I'm a big fan. I don't think the three of us are have that same level of prestige in uh, Soulsborne Ooh. games. Mo, is that fair to say? Um, kind of. I'm like halfway in between because like I had a okay. similar thing where like I a couple years ago I kind of started that snowball. But the first memory I have of the Souls games 
maybe five, six, seven years ago, and uh, Mike kept telling you, hey, you got to play a Souls game. You got to play a Souls game. The only thing I remember from that, those are the games I've noped so fast out yes. of because yeah. of like the first... Just because, like Katie said, like when you get into the game, you play it just like you've played any other game. You're like, oh, this is a uh, an NPC. I got him. Let's go hack and slice. And then they touch you once, you're dead, and you're like, nope, nope, delete, delete. I have, I'm playing Call of Duty. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> so that's that was my like vivid memory. And then the same thing, when the PS5 came out, I had this fancy new machine. Demon Souls was remade in this mm-hmm. like new graphics. And in my head, I'm like, you know what? I want to see something cool. This is the chance to play it. And I just kind of slow rolled it in that game. I kind of tried to figure it out. I, I, after the first like level or so, there was one major boss in that game. It's, it's called the Phalanx. It's just like a giant armored like pyramid looking thing. That one I beat without like looking up just because I started noticing a quick pattern with it. And that was my click moment because I'm like, oh, this giant monster is just a bunch of small little guys connected together. So once that like connected, I'm like, oh, the game is open. Like every single challenge you see is looks like a big obstacle or a scary obstacle. But if you just like break it down into smaller problems, just like in problem solving, you realize, oh, you could you could literally unlock the whole game. There's nothing that's hard. It's just patience and figuring out the flow. That was kind of like what got me into the the Souls games. I would I would just say. I wouldn't say that therefore nothing is hard because sometimes I don't know, man. Dark the first Dark Souls. Uh, what are they called? Har Ham Steen. Uh, I forget their names. There's the Ornstein two guys. Ornstein and Smog. That's it. Thank you. Um, they. Oh my god, it's so hard. <laughs> but also, it's still it's the same thing. It's a puzzle. It's yeah. learning the routines. It's figuring it out and just getting better at that boss. And you're like, eventually, I'm gonna get this. Like, I will get yeah. there. It just takes sometimes. It some of them are harder than others, but. But yes, absolutely, I agree. Yeah, and the cool thing about the discovery is like there's always different weapons, different like magic spells, different things, yeah. and they all affect different enemies a different way. So once you get that like unlock, you're saying, oh my god, this person's really susceptible to fire. You just have to use a fire weapon and then you're just chunking. You're just mm-hmm. chunking. The other thing that made me enjoy them a lot is whenever I hit a wall, a lot of the walkthroughs tutorials, they're like spoiler flea. Because when I, when I mentioned yeah. this is a misunderstood puzzle game, it's not misunderstood because a lot of people who've played it before know these games, love these games. It's the people that don't like them. That's where that statement comes in. They misunderstand the puzzle game itself. They just see it as one slice in your hit. But really, you can like perfect example for uh, for Bloodborne, my initial playthrough. I didn't pick up the melee weapon. I couldn't find it. So the whole oh, no. time I'm just slapping people. <laughs> oh, I'm no. So but this is this actually just like nailed it in the head though. Because like when I was, I found the gun, but the gun doesn't do that much damage. It's more so of an interrupt. But as I was playing, I'm just slapping people. I'm like, this does no damage. Oh, I guess it's a Souls game. I guess it's hard. So bam, 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 back up. Bam. It took me a long time just in that first little platform area. Oh. I had to stop. I'm like, where is a melee weapon? And sure enough, I walked right past it as soon as I freaking started the oh game so that shows goes to show you can go through like an hour of gameplay with just slapping people in the face so like that's <laughs> that's how like once you figure out the flow you can kind of keep playing flora is is your experience with the series kind of similar um 
I don't know if I've necessarily taken the exact same trajectory, although I do share the common experience with Katie and Mo of bouncing off immediately and sort of like putting it putting it down, like Souls games in general. Um, weirdly, though, my first Souls game was Elden Ring, and I did not bounce off of it. I really, really clicked with it. And I think that Elden Ring is kind of a counterexample within the pantheon of Souls games, insofar that if you get stuck on something, you simply can go anywhere else. And um, you can kind of choose your own difficulty, choose your own adventure through the open world in a way that most of the other Souls games, or at least the way that I understand that they work, are very interlockingly linear. Um, there are multiple paths you can take within that linearity, of course, but um, like there are certain walls of progression in Dark Souls, which is the other Souls game that I've played, uh, the original one. So I loved Elden Ring so much that I went straight to Dark Souls after that earlier this year. And, um, and I, I think that kind of the approaching combat, like Mo was just describing, does align with my experience. Um, and as far as the walkthroughs go, I would also echo that so many of them are written in a spoiler-free way that kind of allows for multiple play styles. Totally, um, yeah. Like even the, uh, I played a little bit of uh, Demon's Souls as well on the PS5 and the uh, Phalanx boss that w you were just describing, Mo. Um, like I went through with a Pyromancer build where I could like throw little firebombs on it and I could like oh, one-shot yeah. the boss and I beat it on my fir first try. I didn't even have to learn the boss like you were describing it. So there are like clearly different play styles that you can move through and they're, I wouldn't say equally viable because some of them just won't work with you um but but in most souls games it feels like if you get stuck you can probably try out a few things and then like kind of renegotiate your way through that wall that you're currently stuck at um i still don't know what to do with bloodborne as far as as weapons and movement go uh they feel so different and um i don't want to get ahead of myself talking about mechanics necessarily in bloodborne since we're kind of like recapping our souls history um but that has i think been the the biggest sort of thing that i've felt going in so far is just the movement scheme is so different is this where i say the words about bloodborne so we've been like pretty hyped about this game but jacob you've been like quiet mm -hmm. and kind of just passing the mic over so I know, no, you need to stand up now. <laughs> How was your experience? Because it seems like maybe it wasn't as uh, smooth or maybe it was more rocky than most. I, I'm what just happened, gonna, Jacob? I'm going to preface this as this is one of the most highly anticipated moments in Left Behind Game Club <laughs> history because Mo and Mike have been trying to get Jacob to play a Soulsborne game since the beginning, since inception. Yeah. And uh, the time is now and... Jacob, how's where are we? What's what's? How do you feel? Okay, so <laughs> words. I <laughs> never played a Soulsborne game because I am a I'm a big baby gamer, wah wah, and I don't like difficult things. Okay, anytime something is difficult, I just bounce off. I love Kirby because Kirby easy. I like Yoshi because Yoshi easy. I like story games because they easy. There's usually a linear path. Uh, even open world games, I typically like love something that's more simple. So I've never played a, a Bloodborne or so, a, a Soulsborne game, and so this was the first time that I've done it. And those are the words I'm going to say right now. So it's can, been rough. It's, can I refute the I, thesis there? I think you. Yes, actually, you may. We did a podcast on Returnal together, and I would wager that Returnal is incredibly difficult in a similar yes. way to Souls games. I would yep. give yourself a little more credit yep. there. I, I think that you already have the skills; you just haven't translated them yet. It's a mental block. Flora. It's just a refusal yep. to do what me and Mike suggest. It's just, I'm not playing this game. It's too hard. It's, it's not. You it's have a personal spike. You have the power. You it can took do our this. two new hosts to come on and convince me to do it for me to do it. Um, 
thank you for saying that, Flora, because Returnal is probably the most difficult game that I've like sat through and played through to the end. And it was a rewarding experience. So mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think without Returnal, with, without having played through Returnal, I don't think I would have given this game a chance. So here we are. We're maturing. We're growing <laughs> as gamers. And uh, I played a few hours of uh, Bloodborne. So <sighs> do you want me to say words? Yeah. Or should Katie, you want to give tips? I want to hear what your feelings are first before we get into tips. I want to. I want to hear how okay. it's going from everybody. My feelings are very complicated. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm expecting s- it. Yep. So I played for somewhere between two and three hours over two sessions, and the first time I played it, uh, the intro of the game is essentially like you entering some house. You have no weapons. You're slapping, like Mo had said, and I, I think you just get killed. Like, I, I think that the purpose of the game is to have you be killed. And so that happened and I yeeted myself out of the game because I was like, wow, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> so that was that was my first play session. I posted the clip on my Twitter. You can see it. But I yeeted myself out of that so hard. So that, that's a thing, though, in the Souls games, right? Like, because I, I played Demon Souls and there was that first thing that kills you right away. So when I was playing Bloodborne and I got smacked right away, I was like, oh, OK, this is just getting me to home base. So, like, I, th- I don't know if that's, like, a mental block or a wall they put in for the first-time player, but maybe that's the sole reason, pun intended, hey. why no one plays this game. It's that wall right there, and they delete it right after that. Maybe. That's what I'm thinking. It's funny, because at this point, I've also come to expect that I'm going to die relatively early, and that will be part of the learning process. But I feel like Bloodborne is a little bit more disorienting because of the location change that happens. Like, it's it's unclear. I made it through the first encounter of the game, which is like a surprise. There's like a monster eating a corpse or something, and like, you don't have any mm-hmm. weapons, so you're likely to die. I made it through there and felt like really proud of myself. And then the next enemy that I made it out to just slaughter me in one hit. Um, Katie? So, um... That we're gonna already a little tiny bit of slight spoilers if you want to come into bloodborne if you're thinking oh i've never played any of these games jacob's coming in fresh you know what maybe this is the time that i'm gonna give it a shot and i'm gonna try and play along maybe just play a couple hours before you before you listen to this podcast and come back and then we're gonna get into tips and everything um because you know what i think that would be a good time you can experience it with jacob if and it's it's not so bad, I promise. We can um, cry together. Yeah, all together now. We can comfort each other. Um, so this is a thing in <clears throat> FromSoft games, most FromSoft games. So, uh, the only one I can think of that doesn't have this is Dark Souls 3, where your first um, fight, more or less, you're not, the intention is that you're going to lose, that you're going to die. Um and to me, that just basically sets the expectation that it's you're going to die and it's okay. Because typically that first death will kind of advance you. They'll, you'll get a weapon or you'll see a new area or you'll, you'll learn something from that right away. And then either you'll go to a new area or you'll get thrown right back into it, as you do here, with more more skills more abilities more weapons whatever and then you can overcome that so they're literally setting it up right at the beginning you're gonna die that's part of the process of this game and it's okay and then they give you especially in bloodborne they then say here's a weapon go back to that thing and now you can beat it and they're like oh Mm -hmm. okay we're gonna get there like it's 
it's okay if I fail, we're going to overcome, we're going to learn, we're going to get better, it's okay. So especially this one in particular, because you literally go to an area, uh, which we'll get into shortly, and then they give you a weapon and you go right back and then you can beat that that little uh, beast that's rummaging around. I think I totally agree with you in terms of the way that the game uses the death to sort of reinforce the things you need to learn about the game and like instructing you of how to interpret the world and the mechanics therein. Um, I personally really struggle with the sort of negative reinforcement of how this game or just Souls games more generally teach you things. And I think it's interesting that uh, several of us shared the same experience of kind of bouncing off and putting the controller down our first time or two with Dark Souls. So like, no matter how effective it is with teaching you that, which I wouldn't dispute at all, um, I, I think that no matter what, like, I think most people are going to bounce off of this. And that's a huge ask because like, um, everything that every other game teaches you is is to avoid failure or to mitigate failure. And of course, Dark Souls teaches you that in a sort of roundabout, sort of um, like obfuscated way. It's not exactly transparent. It's like more opaque. And I think that kind of mileage may vary with getting started here. Like some people like myself will need a guide and will need a reminder that like, hey, there's a weapon when you die that you should pick up or else you're going to be Mo shooting with just a, a barrel and a fist. So... Um, you could say. Jacob? I think the thing that maybe I was not prepared for, and uh, Flora, you alluded to this, but the game is, like, incredibly opaque, right? Mm-hmm. It's it. They don't really give you any tooltips. They do after you die the first time. They're kind of like, here are the basic controls. But I, even finding the, the, the controls was difficult and understanding, like, how do I make a combo? How do I use my weapons? Uh, I couldn't even figure it out for a minute or two how to equip my weapons because it doesn't happen automatically. You have to pick them up and then equip them, and that was, like, within a menu. And so I wanted to do the thing and, like, play for two hours and just, like, go into it and see where I could go without looking at a guide. And, Katie, I wanted you to, to kind of give me the... the fre- I wanted the freshest eyes for you to give me the, the hottest tips... But that's the first thing that I, I maybe wasn't even ready for, even though I know the reputation of these games, is that it is so opaque and they explain nothing. It is you must play to learn and understand unless you want to cheat code, which is look at a guide. And I'm super green with this game too, but like I think that's part of the whole like dopamine hit you get when you figure those stuff out. Because like, yes, yeah, some stuff is very vague, mechanics are very vague, but then like an hour, two hours in, once you've played and you've got your rhythm and you figured things out, you're like, oh, once you've like the. Once you like beat your first big boss, you're like, man, first time I opened this game up, I got hit with one thing and died. Now I just spent 10 minutes slashing, backing away, slashing, strategically clearing an area. And you're like, whoa, where did like, where did this all this come from? And like you said, nothing is like taught to you, but that's kind of like part of it. It's like nothing was taught to you. You did it. You did everything. No one said, hey, here's here's the walk this way. Hey, there's a little uh, visual icon telling you to go to this direction. You found that obstacle and you walked through it. That's kind of, I kind of, it's one of the things I really like about these games. I agree. It is for me. It is one of the things that I really like is just when I open up a fresh FromSoft game. It's like okay, let's figure some stuff out and let's kind of get into it. But I can, I can understand that being, and because I did it, I, I had that obstacle before and I bounced off. Of just it being one a gaming history thing and also just like a personality thing of like I don't know like tell me how to play the game like I want to know how to play the game like help me a little bit I get that um, and also yeah the the UI 
is tricky. You, mm-hmm. It's something you just have to mess around with and play with yeah. and go, okay, I figure out I know how to do this thing now. But it's not um, – I can't really think of any other games that have a similar – UI as far as equipping your stuff, looking at your items, it they are um, pretty singular in how they do that and unique. So I yeah, it's definitely one of the initial obstacles is just figuring out the menus, which is hilarious that FromSoft games are like, no, no, the menus, you got to figure out the menus on your own. And like, yeah, that boss, yeah, you'll get to that. But first step menu, you just work on that first. Yeah, I, it's it's challenge for sure. My first job was working as an associate at EB Games. And the amount of times that I would attach strategy guides to games was insane. I wasn't someone who sold warranties, but I sold strategy guides because they were useful. And I haven't wanted a strategy guide for a game in like 10 plus years. But Bloodborne is the game I would want like a strategy guide in my lap to like explain the basics of combat and show me the maps. Um, Because the other thing that maybe surprised me in the initial area too is that everything looked a little samey. I could tell that the like the um the art direction was like really inspired but the first area looked a little samey and maybe i got lost a little bit because there was no from what i could tell no easily accessible map either yeah i think there's no shame in using a walkthrough in a dark souls style game and i also share your sort of aesthetic impressions where um ultimately with bloodborne i felt the um I think it's kind of an ugly game. I'm going to say it because it's so revered as like a beautiful masterpiece. Um, I hate the art style of Souls games, uh, generally speaking. Uh, I say that having completed and loved two of them. So I hope that 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 sort of negative comment comes with the grain of salt it deserves. Um, But in Bloodborne, I I think that it's visually the weakest of all the games so far. Um, I think part of that is marred by performance because this PS4 game is like sort of, it's got a messy frame rate. Some of the pixel densities are strange. um, Some of the textures kind of, there's like screen tearing when you turn the camera really fast which happens all the time in combat uh so it's really frustrating to like look at and it's also it just gives me the the emotional feeling of like a sunday afternoon sunset of like you know the dread of having to go back to work monday um that sort of feeling it's like that's the tone of at least central yarnum which is like the first big area of the game i'm sure there'll be different environments because one of the things i end up loving about souls games is how many like different varieties of environment there are and some are they're incredibly visually distinct I'm sure I will get there, but at least at this point, within the probably three, four hours that I have played of it, I I really struggle to find anything that I would describe as pleasant, pleasing, or beautiful. Uh, Everything is just intentionally ugly. I'm not saying they're bad designers, um, but it's just, it doesn't click with my aesthetic sensibilities at all. And it's therefore hard to navigate things like sewers and rooftops. Yeah, I I could totally see that. Like, I I went through that path of Demon Souls, super high fidelity, buttery smooth on PS5, then to Elden Ring and super buttery smooth PS5 performance. And now playing Bloodborne, I can kind of see that. But coming coming kind of back to that mechanic thing, because I've played those, the the, the menus are pretty good. The visuals, I just kind of connect it to Demon Souls and Elden Ring, so I didn't even notice that it was like that low fidelity. Because me, I'm just looking at like challenge, challenge, challenge. <laughs> this bad guy, this bad guy. But yeah, I, I could totally see that maybe visually it might be jarring coming back playing an older game compared to all the new shiny stuff that we have now. But it's it's still a. a a feat to see like the blood splatter on the actual character is moving on because it's it's one of those like first graphically intensive games back in that generation where it 
it as you play your character changes i think batman was another game that kind of had that where your cape kind of is like torn up as you progress hmm. but this is like direct after one bloody like fight that splatter is on you for the next little while it's, it's kind of cool still mm-hmm. the look and the sound together was like a mashup of final fantasy 7 dirge of cerberus on the ps2 plus resident evil 4 yeah. That that yeah. to me was the aesthetic and the way it sounded. I don't sure. know if y'all have ever played that game, Dirge of Cerberus. It's not very good. Uh, doesn't look great either. Not to say Bloodborne's bad, but like that's my experience so far. One person in, in listening is going to be like, "Yeah, Dirge of Cerberus, <laughs> yeah." Katie, you just need one person. Um, it's it's also very dark at the start. Like just just color palette is just so dark that I can understand that for sure. Um, there are areas of this game that, yes, I are not my favorite, but then the way, like any any of these, like you said, Flora, any of these Soulsborne games that they just it unravels and you kind of get more and more as you go. Um, I think that visually, it might be my least favorite as far as the story. I think that the lore for me is my, I think my personal favorite. Um, and we'll kind of get into how that lore, um, gets unraveled to you in Soulsborne games in general. Um, but I think just the general story of the world and what's happened and the characters in it. And I think it's the most interesting. It's still opaque and I got, you know, a good portion of it and I already liked it. And then at some point I looked at, you know, some YouTube videos and, you're like, oh, that's what that is, and it, it fleshes it out for you, and it's it's my favorite lore of any from soft game. Yeah, just about anyone I speak to when having conversations about Souls game typically throws Bloodborne at the top or their number two within all of the games. Um, and oh. I mean, some of the video essays like you're suggesting are like just more in-depth than I can ever imagine on niche little topics, too. So that's one of the things that's kind of keeping me going so far in the game. Um, I might not enjoy a lot of the visual environment so far. Um, Jacob, do you mind if I talk about something that's a little bit ahead of where you are? Please. please. Okay, so there's... um, I just got to a a spot earlier today before the recording where I found, like, a big bridge. And for whatever reason, FromSoft has a lot of bridges in their games. And, um, And I had just, like, connected this elevator to this bridge. Maybe you all will know what I'm referring to. And I get on this bridge, and there's a group of, like, you know, enemies. And then all of a sudden, um, something comes rolling at me, and I... it. You know, I kind of hesitate to say anything further there, but long story short, I ended up surviving that encounter and staggering into my first boss. Um, so I think you say his name is Father Gascoigne. Is I haven't heard it out loud before. That's how I would pronounce it. Yep. Okay. Um, so that's where I currently am. And I will say in praise of the environment, just a little thing. The arena of that boss, I think, is actually incredibly visually impressive and fun in a way that uh, draws me back to it and is distinct and memorable. So I've already gotten the taste of that aesthetic pleasingness, but it's just really unfortunate that Bloodborne starts off in such a dim, dark, sewery, rooftopy sort of desolate place. And that environment is also uh, useful in combat. Like that arena is set up in a way where you can get around there's like a lot of uh, uh, obstacles in the way tombstones where you can kind of get around because at times father gascon can be very fast at some times Mm -hmm. so you can kind of get a break just by just getting around things um they think out those things very well all the other arenas and their environments 
um, even just in normal enemy encounters. Like there is purpose to where enemies are placed and the environment that they are in and you can make use of that environment and what enemies are there and um, they're just the most thoughtfully made games that it it makes you, that gives me faith in the game that even if it's difficult, I'm like, no, this is thoughtfully made. It's not going to be um, random at any point and that kind of pulls me through FromSoft games, whereas a sometimes there are a lot of kind of FromSoft Soulsborne imitators, and they get less faith from me. Where I get like, ah, that was kind of hard, and I I am more likely to lose um, interest. Whereas they've just built up this faith that I I know that everything is going to be just excellently built. Yeah, so the first time I died in Bloodborne, like outside of like the intro before I get my weapon area is um, I had unlocked a few little shortcuts and I found this really narrow passage on the side of a building. You come out of a room and there's these two sort of troll figures who have like clubs of sorts. And um, the problem with this, back to like most analogy of puzzles in combat, is that you're in a thin corridor with not a lot of room to dodge. And this is a very dodge heavy game. And these two enemies on their own, just one of them would be fine. And these two enemies maybe together in a wider area would be fine. But then the puzzle becomes like figuring out how do you navigate the combat without necessarily aggroing both of them at the same time. Can you take one of them down and make your life a little bit easier because you have that like creative environmental constraint around you. And I think that, I mean, that I died three or four times there and it was not overly difficult now i just roll through the area as you do um but just the learning curve of that and me figuring out like oh this is planned like katie was saying and that i think is is part of what engages me with these games so far and i think uh that's probably going to be our tip number one is the environment like i think we just started talking about it a lot of the times like you said there's narrow corridors uh in bloodborne there's in the first little level area there's a lot of staircases that only one or two npcs can come in soon as I saw that, my head started spinning. Hey, we have a funnel. If I can trigger a couple, just one or two of these minions, because in the first little area, there's a bunch of people you might have to clear or not clear. I'm like, okay, just in case there's a boss somewhere in this area that's going to bother me, let me clear this like area out. So it's my strategy almost with that is, all right, let me trigger one or two people to come up the staircase, clear them out. Fighting two is way better than fighting 10 and just building my way through the map, using the environment, seeing where I can pull people around or I can throw a rock out to like agitate them. Different things like that. The environment I think plays a key in bosses and in general level clearing and proceeding for sure. Can I share how far I've gotten? Yes, please. Please. Not far. <laughs> well, I figured that. Yeah, so I, I played through that, that first area you're, des- you're describing where it's, you know, um, there's a, a fire that's happening and there's, you know, something large knocking at a very large gate in front of you. Um, you make it through that area and then you go up and I did have a really proud moment where there's a pretty large, almost like hunchback giant. Uh, I took him down on my first, uh, kind of try through, which was like a moment where I, I took, I took a step back and I went, Oh, is Bloodborne that difficult? It's not. Uh, it's you'll, not, you'll, okay. you'll get there. You will get there, but it's not. Okay. And I, I, I probably died about a dozen times already, but I've made it just past that enemy uh, onto the bridge where there's like the two very large dogs. That's about as far as I've made it. 
I've died about a dozen times. I didn't really understand the Blood Echoes mechanic until I went through a couple times and said, oh, the enemies absorb your Blood Echoes and you have to kill a particular enemy to get them back. Or maybe based on Katie's face, I don't understand the mechanic at all. If you, When but, you die. Um, if you die in an area, that's how you would get mm-hmm. it back. Sometimes they are on the ground. Sometimes they're basically mm-hmm. an item on the ground. They're like a little pool of blood that you pick up. And mm-hmm. sometimes they are in one of the enemies in the area and you go back and you can tell by their eyes will be glowing uh this like oh. indigo blue and you're like oh that's mm-hmm. the one i have to kill and once you kill that one you get all of your lost blood echoes back got it okay um tip tip me y'all because i need help sure do you want to start <laughs> Mo? give me them tips yeah sure um I'll, I'll go with maybe my approach on how i play the souls games once it like i said i'm not an expert i've played i hated the games before and then once <laughs> i got that little dopamine hit i can bear them and now they're just my like challenging puzzle games that i just boot up and try to get to the next checkpoint and that's my my essential tip how i play it is i don't just, like put aside three hours to play i don't try to beat that one person i just go to the next checkpoint i'm like oh if I have more energy, maybe I'll go to the next one after that. And that's how I progress through it. So maybe in terms of an approach, that might be the best way. I don't know if that's a tip or not, but for me, it's just how pace yourself. How frequent are the checkpoints? Because I have not hit one yet. Oh. That was something uh, that tripped me up because I have experience with two Souls games and the mechanics of like bonfire slash um, whatever it is in Elden Ring are a little bit different. Um, but in Bloodborne, I walked past the first and the second they're called lanterns without activating it you have to like engage with it it looks because the the we haven't talked about the multiplayer mechanic in this game whatsoever but there's these little messages on the ground that like pop up when you walk over them uh you can read them or ignore them it's really optional um but some of them are like helpful tips or little like riddles to figure out there's something about to ambush you around the corner and at some point i kind of started ignoring them um as i was moving through an area and i just looked at the lantern and it sort of looked like one of those little like player messages i wasn't looking closely and i went right by it and i got really frustrated with the amount of backtracking that i needed to do to get to where i just was um but then i when i was frustrated started looking at it i was like oh i went right past the thing that will help me respawn and it made dying like checkpointing it so much easier and more bearable Mm -hmm. so it's easy to miss i don't know how many there are in the beginning though because i've only unlocked two and i've made it to a boss so i don't know if that's just me so bloodborne they are not very frequent but the way around that no, no no the way around that is where you can get to a certain spot kind of in between where you will unlock shortcuts Yes. And you'll come back and you'll okay. be like, oh, there's a lever to open this gate. Now that gate's open and now you don't have to go through half of that area. So it, there's kind of like checkpoints within checkpoints, more or less. Um, so okay. yeah, that's kind of one of the things is just to keep an eye on the environment. And Jacob, you know me. I am the most <laughs> directionally challenged person. And that is one of you my are- biggest challenges in Bloodborne is just sense of direction, knowing where yeah. I am. And it's difficult. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, once you win, oh, that's also another dopamine hit. When you're like, when you open up a checkpoint and you're like, you find a lever and you open it and that gate opens and you're like, now I'm back to that other lantern. Oh my God. It's like a little bit of, it's a hit. It feels good. Yeah. And I think maybe that's going to be the tip then is your environment as you're walking around, you have to walk across all the walls because it is a pretty linear game. There's always items that you can pick up, like a lot of weapons you can pick up. And if you don't explore, if you're just trying to get to the end goal, I think you miss a lot of opportunities to make the game easier, like opening up shortcuts and things like that. So when you're playing, 
maybe the first little while, walk around the outsides, try not to provoke people, and also understand not everyone's a mandatory you have to take down. Let's say you've gone through a couple times, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to fight these guys. Don't. Go past them. Get to the location you want to fight. There's no penalty there. That's just getting taking down NPCs essentially gets you that money to build okay. up your person. If you are have like been blitzing a level and you got so far and you wanted to get to that spot, just go straight to there if you want. Like play the game how you want to play it. Enjoy it how you want it. Don't play it like anything else where I have to clear every room to get to the next spot. Just go, run, take off. That's maybe my my tip, so you don't burn out. I'll also just add one thing like I think this might be lost in translation when people kind of proselytize Dark Souls style games everyone always raves about the environmental exploration and the sense of interlocking environments and how it all comes together in your head and I think that that might imply an undue amount of pressure for a new player to be able to do that themselves intuitively like these games are like three-dimensionally opaque in the way that their menus are opaque and there are 86,000 ladders and places you can fall (laughs) into the sewers and and you're so worried about staying alive and not losing your progress and having to retrack and retrace your your um, blood echoes that you might not feel um, like it's worth it right now to explore this area fully and that doing so would would drain your energy to play the game further that might very well be true but once again this would just be an endorsement of walkthroughs I would suggest because with Dark Souls 1 when I played it um I used to walk through the whole way through that game, and I don't think that cheapened my sense of of direction. Like, in the same way that, okay, when you first drive somewhere, you need the GPS to kind of navigate for you, but, like, your third or fourth time, if you've done this drive yourself, you probably have figured it out and internalized the how to turn without needing that prompting. So I think the Souls games are kind of the same way. Um, it might not feel intuitive to a new player, because, at least with Bloodborne, it does not feel that way to me. I stumbled on the first boss on accident. I was just <laughs> running around. I have some combat tips I'm going to get to, but I think that okay. I think before that, my number one tip is when you feel frustrated and you're like, I'm not getting anywhere and I don't feel like doing this and I don't get it, use a guide. There's nothing okay. wrong with using totally. a guide. Pick up a guide totally. and go, where do I go? You, anything. Where do I go? How do I beat this guy? I, I'm not getting any better at fighting this guy. Pull up a guide and they'll, they'll give you tips and it's, it won't be like, oh, this is the, the cheese way. Like if you pull up the dirt, like a blood, uh, Soulsborne wiki, it will be like, here's mm-hmm. some tips. When he does this, this is kind of the best way to approach that. When he does this, this is the best way. Or like, this is the best side of the arena or whatever it may be. Or, or this is the best area for you to go to next. Go down that hallway and that'll take you to this area. Like their guide especially with Soulsborne, if you are frustrated and you don't want to play anymore, just look it up. There's nothing wrong with that. And just to get you going. And then, because then once you get going, you feel better about it. And then you feel more able to do it. So if you're like, I'm at a wall and I don't want to do it, just just check a guide. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how I got through my first couple. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably the best the best tip because when I first played this first Souls game, it was Demon Souls. I followed a guide for almost the first little bit just because I didn't understand where to go, what to do. Yeah. And one of the things the guides teach you is like, hey, there's different characters you can start with. So I think when you first boot up the game, you can choose different types of characters and it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Who do I pick? Because they don't yeah. give you any information. 
and a lot of the guys will tell you pick anything you want and that's frustrating because <laughs> yeah. i don't want that direction like tell me the best person yeah. tell me the Help best me. person yeah exactly so what i did in demon souls i found a guide i was like what is the most overpowered way to like get through it and i found this hack where i can get the final armor the final sword and it made the game kind of super easy but then i was like ah I, I don't want to play this anymore. So I restarted the game, played a normal a character, progressed through it normally because I got comfortable with the mechanics with that more powerful character. There's no penalty in replaying the game because each boss is going to be different depending on your tool set that you bring in. So out of the 10 options, one guy might be a melee master, one guy might be a mage. It doesn't matter which character you pick. Each one, you can approach the game a little bit differently. And part of it is like those guides unlock that thing in your brain to understand that, hey it's okay to replay this or try a different character guides are i think the way to go mm-hmm. okay i i think that one of the weird things about the souls games i've played so far and this might just be virtue of selection with elden ring demon souls dark souls and now bloodborne but the combat is so fundamentally different and like how i want mm-hmm. to approach it in each game even though they all kind of follow the same general template like in elden ring i liked being a mage i had so much room to cast spells from afar and avoid damage and i was scared to get up close to enemies until late game bosses where i kind of had to get over that um in dark souls i started off with magic and then i realized like mo was saying and i was like oh i'm gonna start over i would actually really prefer to have a sword in this game yeah and um and with bloodborne so far they give you the gun which i guess we're going to talk about in a second Mm -hmm. but that's still the thing where i'm trying to negotiate like what the heck i want to do with this thing um it's sort of a parry mechanic in this game and i have no ability to time the thing yet so i'm sure we'll get there yeah i think the thing that i was most surprised about (laughs) is you know we're talking left hand right hand weapons Mm -hmm. um left hand gun right hand one handed melee i don't know if that changes katie maybe you can tease us about that but I I thought the gun would have unlimited ammo, um, but ammo is very limited to the point where I'm like, I don't know the appropriate way to to use this. I think I use it to to lure folks and and get the aggro from certain enemies for them to come grab me so I can like get through a large group. But beyond that, like the range isn't great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have unlimited ammo. So besides using it to lure enemies, I don't know what to use this gun for. So. Like you said, Flora, every FromSoft game, uh, when when they're using different franchises, um, they will put little spins. It's, it has the same base of combat, mm-hmm. but or similar base of combat, but um, they'll kind of just alter it a little bit in an interesting way that makes that game's combat unique. Um, so Bloodborne in particular, there's really no shields. There is one shield. They basically tell you it's useless. In its item description, <laughs> item cool. I lo- item descriptions in FromSoft games, I love them. They're great. There is like describe the item and also give you some lore, and they're there's interesting to read. But it's basically like, yeah, that has no use for a hunter. And you're like, all right, I guess not. So yeah, there's really no blocking, um, which is something that I make a lot of use of in Dark Souls games. I love blocking. Um, I love a good shield. So there's no shields. You're basically dodging, um, fast attacks and most likely and yes your gun so your gun you can use to parry bloodborne at least in my first playthrough we'll see maybe this one will be different but i don't really use the gun to parry very much because like you jacob i find it so difficult because you have to time the bullet arriving at the enemy and you also kind of have to hit them at their peak swing which is so hard to gauge because each item, each enemy is different. Each swing, there are different types of swings are different. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you have like one swing that you're like, oh, I can time that attack, but I can't time the other ones. I don't know. 
but I find it so difficult. Like Sekiro, great parrying. Love it so much because it's very fast. This one's very slow. Um, and I find it impossible. I mainly use the gun for um, like kiting enemies over is my main thing that I use it for. Um, I've, I've so far failed to get the hang of parrying on most enemies. That's so relieving to hear you say that because I thought that it was simply my own mechanical failure. Like in Dark Souls, I also struggled to learn the parry mechanic and basically never used it. Um, I, I think there's one or two key bosses where it's kind of needed to do, but generally speaking, you can just roll your way out of danger in Dark Souls. Um, in Bloodborne, the dashing kind of feels the same where it's substitutable for the parry in a way where instead of having to manage the resources of the finite bullets like Jacob was suggesting, um, you can sort of just manage your stamina meter instead mm-hmm. and just make sure that you're not over-dashing. Um, I currently have trouble of like just spamming the dash button and suddenly I accidentally chain together three dashes and then I don't have time to get an attack in or whatever. Um, but the few times I've tried to use the gun, it's I've actually almost always taken damage. And that I find that really frustrating and I end up just kind of not using it. I almost wish I could just two-hand equip the main weapon and, and attack faster or something. Is there a dash button? What? No, like a dodge. There's a dodge. <laughs> okay. There's okay, a dodge okay. button. Okay. I, not run. Okay. I Sorry. Thought for a sec- I thought for a second there was a dash and I was like, no. Wait, I mean, you can dash. run also, but you can, yeah, there's the, the dodge. Wait, there's what, a run button? Is what Wait, she's really? To. Wait, you can, there's a run button? No yeah. way. It's a circle. I've pressed circle everything. You just, you hold the dodge button. You hold yeah. it to run? And you'll run. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Both Jacob really? and Flora's mouths are agape. <laughs> I've been rolling the whole way through the environment because the movement Same. is so painfully slow. Yeah, it is so slow. I didn't realize. I think another Souls game must do that. I just forgot. Uh. B- back on the, the gun thing, <laughs> Katie, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, when you start off, there's the the melee weapon options, and then mm-hmm. there's the gun options, and there's multiple you can choose from. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming some are slower to cast than others, some yes. are slower to swing than others. Okay, so to get it off the bat, I, I picked the saw blade as my mm-hmm. first starting weapon. Same. Um, and, and I kept it in the collapsed like mm-hmm. mode most of the time. Mm-hmm. Another thing I did is I I did a, I did a quick guide because whenever there's an option to choose free things, I'm yeah. like, which one's the best? Especially at and, the start of the, the game. Gun. You're like, yeah, I, exactly. I, I want to get this right at the start of the game. Yeah, for sure. That, exactly. And that's it. For me, I looked it up and I think, I can't remember the name of the, the gun I chose, but I chose the one that was quick to shoot mm-hmm. just because I wanted it to be hmm. my interrupt in combat. Me- meaning... Um, so I have my, my play style essentially for most enemies, if I don't know what they do, is wait to see their main first attack, like what the swing is, if it's super slow and if there's a break in it. And then I do like a one, two slash back off no matter what. It can be a critical hit. It can be a kill no matter what. I'm not going for a third because that might be my last swing before my stamina slows me down and I'm open for a kill. So with the gun, the only way I used it, because I noticed it doesn't do that much damage is if someone was charging and I didn't know what their first attack was because as soon as they saw me, they charged. As soon as they came in, I popped them and then I did a one, two reset. And usually they went into a slower attack like first so I can kind of collect info. So the whole purpose for me so far has been it's my info collector tool. Yeah. If someone's charging me, I don't things. know what to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I use the lock a lot. Like for all mm-hmm. my combat, I'm yes. locking on to the people. I'm oh. not shooting to mm-hmm. aim because 
I thought there was a lock or something. (laughs) No, your lock on, which is so useful. Even going into like a dark room, I always like will spam the lock on to see who's around. I'm like, oh, there's an enemy because otherwise Mm -hmm. they'll just jump out at you. So no, I just kind of look around and spam the lock on, find my enemies. Yeah. And like also gauging the distance. But if something happened crazy, that's when they get shot to just make sure they slow down and I can reassess. Okay, where am I? And then as I'm locked on, get my rhythm, see what I have to do. And that's kind of like maybe another tip as well is the lock on is a big thing. Mm -hmm. As soon as you started up the game too, there's an option to auto lock on to the next enemy if you've killed someone. I think that's a very clutch little tool to add in because as you're fighting in a group as soon as you like kill someone you want to be able to like switch to the other instead of mashing especially if you're newer i'd say keep that auto lock on because it might help you go through different like crowds to be able to like progress so maybe that's another tool but that's what i use the gun for in a a nutshell just an interrupt yeah to your last point there i would say mashing will be punished in this game or at least so far i absolutely where, where i have messed up i have been over eager with my button presses um but i would also say in bloodborne in particular um compared to the other souls games i've played so far i have really had to teach myself to explicitly wait my turn kind of like what you're saying Mo. It's like <laughs> sit back observe i i just want to like run up in the action and start rolling around and doing my thing but in this game you kind of have to wait like a good like three or four attack patterns to get a sense of what you can expect and when you have an opportunity to get in and deal damage um i today i was exploring something and um i i knew i wasn't making progress i was dying in the same way repeatedly and as soon as i just patiently waited and i went through the cycles like you were describing i made it through that next attempt i just needed to beat like pacing myself better which is hard to do and again that's so fast paced like this the thing I do as a baby gamer is I tend to, when I die, and I have to essentially make up my progress again because I don't make it to a checkpoint, I want to make my way through that part of the level as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. thing that pains me and that I'm going to have to not do in Bloodborne is if I die in an area before getting to a checkpoint, I unfortunately have to take it at the game's pace again because the second you try and rush through a even even a small group of enemies you could get one or Mm -hmm. two shotted in this thing and just get killed i i tried last night my my second to last playthrough or my second to last run i guess was a pretty good one where i made it past that that like big hunchback like large giant enemy and then died immediately after and then i tried to run right back because i'm like oh i've been through this like i know where the gun enemies are and i know where the groups kind of congregate so i can like kill a few but probably make my way through nope the game doesn't let you do that. So I have to break that habit. Yeah. I think maybe the weapon choice, what I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. is something that's key because the reason why I said I picked the saw blade and the gun was because of the fast casting, the fast ability to deal damage, and then I can back off. Another thing, too, whenever you get like charged, maybe this is another tip, is I find the roll button, even in crowds, is one of the best ways to just escape swings because mm-hmm. most enemies, when they swing, if you even roll towards them, you're immediately behind them. So they'll strike and be completely dis- disoriented and you're at their back. So the roll button is clutch. If you don't know what's going on, if you're surrounded by people, roll out of there. Like that's the best way to dodge damage and more likely you won't get like attacked. Just roll either away or through them. And that's, I think, another tip you can use. Yeah. And there are some invincibility frames while you're rolling where they will swing right through you. So yeah, even rolling, like you said, rolling at them and then next thing you know, you're behind them and you can get in a couple hits. Um, and back after off. Flora, yeah. I am curious to see what um, weapons, Jacob, opening weapons. I want to hear it. But Flora, go ahead. Yeah, it's just a, a quick remark. In addition to dashing into enemies, which does not normally feel intuitive, I think most mm-hmm. games train you not to do that. Um, exactly, yeah. With, with 
the combat in Bloodborne in particular, um, if you take damage, like you might be inclined to dodge away, but in Bloodborne, there's a health recovery mechanic where if you, you have like a limited time window where you can attack the enemy and regain the damage they took from you. And, and that mechanic, I didn't pick up on the first like half hour to an hour of gameplay. Like I noticed something happening visually, but I wasn't sure what, and I wasn't paying attention to my health bar. Um, there, there's these little like sort of, uh, blood vials this thing is what they're called to heal yourself with and um you can use them in or outside of combat but in many of these games healing during combat is probably a bad idea um unless you are like clutch and hiding behind an environment or something um but like i think that that just thinking about combat as well is just always keeping in mind that if you can get a quick attack in before you dodge away um you might be able to make it out and survive that combat uh encounter a little bit longer like and that's funny you say because like the whole health mechanic i had no idea about until now i just thought every once in a while i got some health back i, was like, oh, okay, so give me. I didn't realize gift. that if i took damage they kind of gave it back within that swing i'm just like in my like way of playing it and now i know okay good to know now I, as i finish the game it's i can get my stuff back yeah it's uh, bloodborne is by far the most to me the most generous um <laughs> from soft game as far as health goes because you can pick up a vials which you can't do in other games where you start your run with a limited number and that's it you're not getting more until you rest um so you can pick them up from enemies and then also like you said the the mechanic of getting your health back so sometimes sometimes the best option is to just hack and slash they're hacking you you're hacking them and sometimes you're like no i'm close i'm almost there and Mm -hmm. sometimes it ends poorly but yeah sometimes you end up getting it done um so yes opening weapons there are three options you have the threaded cane i have never touched because i find it scary i am a melee uh soft uh from soft player like i like i liked melee i like i don't i don't like to get fancy i like pretty basic um yep. you got your threaded cane you have your hunter's axe and you have your saw cleaver they have i don't know if you know this jacob they have two different ways of carrying them is that all three weapons because i went saw cleaver and i know that with if you hit i think it's l1 it essentially switches from like like think of it almost like a barber's uh like comb if you will Mm -hmm. razor blade that's the one they're not they're not combs they're razor blades um where it can flip open and be like very long or flip closed Mm -hmm. and just be like a very you know short cleaver um, I haven't quite figured out because the, the arc on the weapon, like if you use the, the shortened version, you get really up close and it's like, it's, quick. it's a very, um, it's quick and it's like diagonal, but it's very, um, it's very aggressive. And if you use the cleaver and it's open configuration, the arc, I haven't quite figured out yet. Um, it comes I, I downwards. Like, it. It, like mm-hmm. instead of yeah. sweeping, it's, it's like a, it narrows the attack. So if in a yeah. line and in like a hallway, maybe that's going to be clutch, but I guess that's how you pick and choose which way to mm-hmm. use each one. I think I use it in like the closed mode, if you will, about 80% of the time. And I really only open it up when like there's a big group of enemies where I want to keep them away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I want to get in close, the saw cleaver in the closed mode is pretty good. Yeah. So they all have two different uh, ways of carrying them. Basically a one-handed or a two-handed method. Um oh where you will holster your, your gun and you'll hold it two-handed and it will kind of turn into a different, um, uh, basically a different weapon. Um, saw cleaver is great and you also get a bit more range. Personally, I'm a big hunter's axe fan because I feel like I have a good amount of range and then when it's two-handed, it's like you get a lot of range and you can do it. It's charge attack as like a, 
a very long range like double spin thing that I love um, that if someone's okay. rushing at you I will just charge that thing up and I'll just like just hammer them um, mm-hmm. but yeah saw cleaver is good it's it's especially with the weapons and there are other weapons later in the game you, you can pick up other weapons or buy mm-hmm. other weapons um, oh. yeah it'll come, it'll come up um, but the thing with weapons is basically finding your timing um, of for each individual weapon, which is why I find changing weapons, especially in Bloodborne, tricky. Mm-hmm. Like you can stick with the same weapon pretty much the whole game if you want to. Um, can you upgrade your weapons? You can. Yes. I know it's a bit of a spoiler. No, okay. you absolutely can. Um, yeah, you can level up your character and you can upgrade your weapon. And so yeah, just if learning the weapon and finding your timing with enemies is kind of like <laughs> one of the biggest things I find. Are your blood echoes the way that you upgrade your character in your weapons? No. So, okay. oh, what? so you do have to spend a little bit of blood echoes to upgrade your weapon. But no, you pick up, uh, I forget what they're called in this game. Blood they're shards, items. I think? Yes, blood shards. Um, and you have to use blood shards. You have to have so many of Got them it. to upgrade each level. It's at one of the benches in the little house mm-hmm. in the oh, Hunter's yeah. Dream. So you should start finding them pretty soon, actually. I think I've got a couple. I think I've got like two or three in my inventory. If you have three, you can definitely upgrade your weapon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And okay. then if you're like, you know what? I want to use this other opening weapon. I want to give that a try. You can find, you have to find these badges that are in the environment. And once you find that badge, you can then buy it, that weapon from the merchant in oh. the hunter stream. So you hmm. can mess with different weapons, like different opening weapons. Hmm. Okay, so if I'm summarizing so far, it's really use a guide when you get stuck, <laughs> really to find checkpoints and beat bosses. Uh, you can't go at a, like, you can't go fast. You have to, like, really take your time and make your way through the levels. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that it? Is that Bloodborne? Yeah. Did I did I win? I think- did I beat Bloodborne? <laughs> there you go. It's done. One of the biggest things also with, with bigger enemies is to try and get behind them. Just yeah. get behind them, if, especially super large enemies, super large bosses, and Dark Souls also. Like, get around the ankles. I just kind of, like, get behind their ankles, <laughs> hack, hack, hack. Yeah, I just kind of try and stick to them like glue as much as possible. And then sometimes they'll have, like, an area attack where you have to kind of jump back and kind of reset. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I just kind of try and get right in there and just hack away as much. And don't get greedy is the thing. If you're like, oh, oh if God. I try too many attacks, I get hit. Mm-hmm. I, if I can get two in, and that time you're like, no, I'm going to get three in this time. Don't do it. Don't you do it. If I can get like two two full rounds of like Great. three light attacks, are you talking like two Whatever two you find that boss will give you. If you're like, when I try this many, I, I get punished. And then the next time you got to try and not be greedy and go for that extra one. You're like, no, no, I know I can get two in. I know I can do it. And like, don't, don't get greedy because they will just swat yeah. you down. I'll also emphasize that that greed happens very commonly when you get a health bar really slim. Um, not only in normal like boss encounters oh, yeah. will you be tempted to try and get the extra damage to chip away at it faster in general. When you see the finish line, it's so easy to get sloppy so quickly and just instant regret and then you hit a wall. Um, I, that has yeah. happened to me in both of the games from soft that I finished. I did kind of contradict myself when I said earlier, sometimes I just hack and slash because you're like, I'm close and you regenerate your health. So Bloodborne yeah. kind of um, encourages that more than other ones. But still, you should still try and not get too greedy most of the time. Mm-hmm. 
how long is Bloodborne? That depends on what you want to do. Because there are so many optional areas. The core path, not that long, really. But there are tons. Our definitions of not that long are, are different. <laughs> they are. Not, not long for me is like Edith Finch. It's like, oh, three hours. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it. It's great. Um, I don't know. It depends on how how you're, you know, 20? how comfortable. Uh, probably about that. Probably higher, realistically. Flora's pointing higher. Probably, probably like 30. I want to say how long to beat's like 35 hours or something. I, I might be mistaken about that, but yeah. it seems like it's going to be a big chonker. Yeah, but there's there are so many optional areas that that is one of the things that I'm excited about this playthrough is that I'm like, oh, there's a DLC that I never played. And there was uh, optional areas that I was like, ah, that's too hard. I'm not going to do that. And then I beat the game and did not do those. So I really want to flesh things out. And I'm hoping to have played the Old Hunters DLC by recording and have completed much more of the optional content so that I can talk about that a bit because I, I, I did some of it last time, but not a ton. Would you recommend getting the DLC? Because I just have the base game. Um, I would play it sounds the game like, first and see okay, how you so feel. Okay, so it's like a tacked on sort of situation? Yeah. It's okay, like a different cool. area if, that you can get to from the Hunter's Dream. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really have that many more questions. I, I don't know if I can do this, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. Just watch this like a scary. super new beginner guide. Guides. How, how to survive x game how to survive this game like just pick whichever game you want to play and the guide will guide you through it i think because everyone coming into this game for the first time has the same mm-hmm. experience this is too hard why <laughs> would i waste my time when i can play kirby or whatever you were saying earlier i had that same experience i noped out of these games twice mm-hmm. separate years i downloaded it i'm like i'm gonna try it. i'm tough i can play this game nope delete play call of duty like it's it's happened to me so that's why i feel i believe that you'll be able to have the same experience where once that thing happens where you're like oh this is a joke i can figure this out it's a big problem but if you piece by piece it you can accomplish it that little click i think gets you through that to the next challenge i hesitate to recommend it so forcefully um uh, so far my experience with this having completed two FromSoft games is i wanted to put the game down after an hour like i i didn't bounce off of dark souls when i got to it after elden ring i was i was enraptured and and sank 20 hours in in the first two or three days like with bloodborne it didn't click right away at all and not, not only was that like an aesthetic preference and other things it was just mechanically different and and i wasn't sure about it and maybe it's just been too long since i played a FromSoft game Um, But it took me three separate sessions to get invested in this. Today, on on my way home from work, like before the record, I told myself I'd play a little more Bloodborne because in my head I was thinking about what to say in the podcast. And I was like, it's going to be hard to eliminate all the curse words that I want to use about this game because of how (laughs) frustrating it is. And then I sat down today and for some reason something clicked. I got a new shortcut. I made some progress. I found a boss. And I'm kind of in now. I don't know if I want to finish it, but like... It got its hook in me, and I think that's maybe, like, give it a few small attempts. Don't beat yourself up if you do decide to give up on it. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you've given it the old college try, as it were. But um, but generally speaking, um, this is a hard game to get into, even if you want to get into it. I can I can see that happening, but I, I didn't have the same experience, but I could understand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
I have dreaded very few podcasts on <laughs> or like episodes of this podcast. I think Dead Cells surprisingly was one that I kind of dreaded a little bit. Hmm. And I, I regret the vitriol that I brought to the Dead Cells recording because it was just a game that didn't click with me. I should have opted out of that one. Hmm. I promise <clears throat> that I'm going to give this game a real, real, we have a month, a real, real college try. But I can't guarantee you with 100% certainty that I'll finish it. That's that's fine. Hey, and to again, be honest, me neither. I just like playing this game. Like the completion part for me for these games is not like the goal. It's just kind of stepping through killing time kind of thing. Because I don't follow the lore of the story. I just like the challenge of like each little level. So Demon Souls is a little bit more visually pleasing and like easier to get through. This one, I ha- I'm kind of ignoring the, the the aesthetics, but it's it's the same thing. I'm going to keep playing it just because it's like a puzzle that you can kind of keep playing. Somewhere in the ether, Angry Alvin is yelling at me to get good. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> That's a throwback for our OG listeners, but uh, I'll try. Okay. I would just point out that you've done what you've done so far without touching a guide at all. So we haven't done Bloodborne with a guide experience yet, Jacob. So okay. that, and that's okay. a different world. Okay. It, that, that is, it, it, it kind of breadcrumbs you. It feeds you along. You get more progress. You'll feel, I think you'll feel better. But also same thing. If you don't make it through, you don't make it through. That's okay. That's okay. Well, I mean, the first video that I'm going to watch when this is done is an 18-minute video that has a, a 1.2 million views from PlayStation Access called How Not to Die in Bloodburn. Great. Perfect. In Bloodburn, 15 tips for absolute beginners. So this is Perfect. my homework, I Fantastic. guess. Fantastic. Um, before we get into the end of this, I just do want to say, I don't think that doesn't sound like Jacob or Mo that you're going to get into the lore at all, that you're just, Jacob, nope. you're just like, I want to survive. Mo, you're like, I don't really think I care. Um yep. If you were, hypothetically, if a player were to want to <laughs> know what's going on a little bit in the story, um, FromSoft Games will kind of um, piecemeal it to you little by little. Um, the ways that you can learn kind of what's going on is by talking to NPCs, which you'll get little breadcrumbs. And also going back and talking to the same NPCs over again and kind of and asking, interacting them with, with them multiple times. Until they're basically done saying new things. Because they will say new things the more you talk to them. Until they're just out of it. Um, And the other one is item descriptions. If you pull up your menu and you go through an item, there is a button that pulls up a like longer written description of the item. And it will kind of tell you a little bit about the world and what the item was used for and what different characters did with them or etc. Because yeah, the lore is super interesting it's it's my favorite as i said um something else and also just in general if you want to learn more about it there is a youtuber called named vati vidya v-a-a-t-i-v-i-d-y-a who does fantastic videos explaining the lore getting deep on different characters who have they'll have separate videos on uh, the general lore, um, different little plot lines, different things you can pick up in different areas, stories you can pick up in different areas, the stories of different characters, because there will be characters that have whole backstories and things that happen to them that are, I think, really interesting. So um, you can put a link to that in the uh, episode description. But um, 
yeah, it's it's there's a lot there if you want to get into it. You can do whatever you want. You can either just play the game to get through the challenge. You can go through the optional areas to get more of it. You can learn as much lore as you want to or learn none of it. You can kind of play the game the way that you want to play it. And that's kind of the main totally. thing that I take away from FromSoft games is people think that like, because, you know, the internet tells you, certain internet people will say, no, this is how you play FromSoft. And if you're not playing it this way, <laughs> then you're not really playing it and you're not doing it right. There's no right way to play it. You play it the way you want to, what you want to get from it and the, how you enjoy it. And that's kind of my biggest thing for new FromSoft players is like, don't listen to that. You just, you do you, man. Whatever you feel like doing. Okay, I'm going to add this Vatia Vidya, um, The Beginner's Guide to Bloodborne, to my queue to watch. So, Me too. Thank you, Katie, for that. You're welcome. Anything anyone else wants to add about Bloodborne before three of us jump in and play a whole bunch of it? Oh, Jacob, did we talk about the best way to level up your character? No. Okay, very quickly. Which weapon you use has... Uh, it will say which skills will up your ability to use that weapon. Um, okay. In the middle at the bottom oh, of the screen, okay. it has, um, I forget what it's called, but basically it will say if it's like a strength weapon or a dexterity weapon. So like upping strength will increase the damage you do with certain weapons, but not others. So you got to make sure that whatever weapon you're using, you are upping the skills required to do better damage with that weapon. For example, are those like the symbols? <clears throat> yes. Are there symbols? Okay. Yes. So main thing on a very, you know, beginner level souls born player, I'd say your vitality, your endurance, and then whatever is the main stat of your preferred weapon would be your yeah, go-to that, things. I heard vitality explained as how many times you can get hit. So the more you have more times you can get hit the Basically. more mistakes you can make exactly all right i think that's our our part one of bloodborne we're gonna try and play a whole bunch of it but we'll see how many folks have lasted after we get to part two uh katie thank you for taking us on this journey uh we appreciate having a guide as worldly as you in the series i did my best um thank you for letting me talk so much and if anyone in uh the discord we will talk about hey the discord left behind game club discord um has any other tips or anything that they think should have been mentioned that is not spoilery that you're like hey jacob should know this and it wasn't mentioned drop it in the uh the episode um channel the uh i'm gonna do one better and i'm actually gonna create a uh a bloodborne channel love it uh yeah. for me to put all of my frustrations into uh it now exists. So, or actually, you know what? We have an Elden Ring channel. It could be a FromSoft I, channel. I'm going to change it to a FromSoft channel. I like it. So drop drop your uh, drop your stuff in FromSoft. Yeah, either uh, yeah. your experience is playing, or like I said, if you have played it before, if you have other tips you want to you want to add. Do you know what makes me believe that that's going to be like a really good channel? Is there's so many basic things that like you won't figure out unless someone says it like the sprinting we just talked about yeah. today <laughs> uh, like just small things like the auto lock on like that that the getting health after you've been like sucked like you've been uh, damaged i just learned that today and i've been playing for like 3 4 hours so yeah it's a that's, that should be a very helpful channel for us all right, it's done. Uh, go find the FromSoft Games channel inside of the Left Behind Game Club Discord. You can find the link to that at leftbehindgame.club slash discord. 
If you want to find out all the things about our program, you can find out uh, things about us on Twitter at Left Behind Club and on Instagram at Left Behind Game Club. We do a lot more on Twitter and in Discord, so that's a, a great place to find us. Uh, Katie, uh, you were the, the master today, so why don't you go first and tell folks where you can be found on the internet. I can be found on Twitter. I am Lesbrak, L-E-S-P-E-R-A-K, and I'm pretty active in the Discord, and I would love to chat about some FromSoft if... FromSoft decides to drop any kind of teaser for whatever they play next. I will just be in that channel losing my mind because I can't wait, especially if it's Sekiro 2. I will just scream and you could probably hear Ooh. me from wherever you're sitting. Uh, but yeah, that's where I am. I'm on Twitter and I'm in the Discord. Uh, Flora, where can you be found? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LudoNarrativeFM and you can find me in the Left Behind Game Club Discord as well, um, as well as my written work on EpilogueGaming.com. Um, we actually have an article that I helped publish uh, about two years ago. It's called Playing the Narrative on Bloodborne and it's kind of like a deep dive on like how the structure of the narrative actually functions in the game itself, like the mechanics and stuff. So if you're interested, check that out as well. Uh, I will link that uh, you know as a resource in this episode so folks can find it in there. Cool, thanks. Mo. You can find me pretty much in the Discord channel as well as on Instagram at mmurtadi, M-M-U-R-T-A-D-I. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Jacob McCord on all major social media platforms, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. Uh, I do my ranting on Twitter. I'll be posting things about Bloodborne there and in the Discord. And then I make daily video game content on TikTok, uh, mostly about superhero games, weirdly enough. Because that's what TikTok likes. The algorithm, num, 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 that content up. So uh, that's, what, that's what we do. Okay, Kirby. Uh, and then Pac-Man's it up. If you like this uh, if you like this podcast, do us two favors. Send it to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts. And uh, give us a five-star review on your pat- on your platform of choice. Uh, platform. Uh, if you're going to give us four stars, go away. Thank you. Uh, I guess uh, I'll end the show as we always do by saying shout out Michael Ruffalo. And that, my friends, is one less game left behind. I'm Jacob McCord. I'm Katie Lesbrance. And I'm Travis Colnett. We are hosting a brand new podcast called Cutscenes. There are tons of video game podcasts and tons of TV film podcasts, but we're going to bring you the intersection of both and talk about video game, movies, and TV. I know what you're thinking. Aren't most of them not very good? Wrong. Some of them are fine. And we're going to tell you all about them. Make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Cutscenes underscore pod. And most importantly, give us a listen. See you soon. Scenes, a video game movie podcast.